0: hello and welcome to this week's um, episode of poems a penny each this week i'm going to have a look at the poem song of the last meeting by the russian writer anna akhmatova Um, i love anna akhmatova's writing i think that to to be able to write something so profoundly human under the circumstances that she lived in Um, and you have to think that after the, the russian government um, or the the Russian monarchy fell, and it was the Russian Civil War, which led to the Bolsheviks seizing power. There w- there was a period of time where life in Russia was not that good. They tried to present it as being good, especially under Stalin. They had this thing of life has never been so good for the Russian people, and Shostakovich famously once said, "Let's hope life doesn't get any better." the the idea being that you know at that time people were being arrested and disappeared simply because they fell out of favor and artists had to um artists had to toe the line and they had to present the idea of life in the Soviets as beautiful wonderful and happy all the time and it wasn't it was terrible it was horrifying it was miserable. And artists did try to, to get that message out, Shostakovich put it secretly into his music. You can listen to his music, it's powerful really what what he was able to achieve under the circumstances he lived in. And Anna Akhmatova was no different than that. Um, her poem Requiem is a testimony to human desire, to human will, and the, the ability of humans to overcome anything when you think that she had to teach her friends sections of the poem that they could learn off by heart so that there was no written version around until much later, until Stalin died and then they they were able to come together and tell each other the, the parts and she was able to write it out and I always think of the introduction to Requiem where she's saying that she's standing in line at a prison waiting for word from I think it was her son at this point and she's waiting for word with all these other women just for some piece of information about someone that they love who'd been arrested, whether they'd been executed or sentenced or what was happening. And one of the women in the queue recognised Anna and said to her, can you write this? And she said, I can. And Anna then writes that something like a smile passed over the woman's lips, just very faintly. And it was that idea, yes, somebody can tell this story and it won't just pass under the radar and know and be forgotten and i think that that was just what i loved about and the fact that she lived and wrote under this pressure from the government forces and i, I always think again going back to Shostakovich of the story about how because i read a biography of his recently and they were saying in it that at one point he fell out of favor with the the uh, communist party, but of course they couldn't kill him. He was too uh, world renowned, and if he was to disappear, then people would say, "Oh, you know, look at them." So in order to save face, they had to come up with a way to punish Shostakovich to let him know that he would you know, had gone too far and he needed to watch himself. So what they did was they basically, over the course of a couple of weeks, or they would send. Uh, policemen around to arrest everyone on the floor of the apartment block that he lived in so eventually there was no one left and the message was very clear to Shostakovich we could do this to you if we want but also there was the horrible thing that you know because of him falling out of favor with them and because they couldn't kill him they killed all these other people and and that weighed heavily on him but you just imagine trying to create art under that pressure that's why i'm dead set against this idea of a government or a political group <clears throat> telling an artist what they can and can't write or what is acceptable and and i'm dead dead against it and i, I think that artists like Anna akhmatova in, as a poet is an example of why it, it shouldn't be done you shouldn't tell an artist what they can and can't write and I applaud artists that carry on writing and trying to tell their their story or the story of life as they see it, and and being true to themselves and not becoming pawns of a political or a political party or a political ideology, and not being just merely propaganda. They're creating art, and that's what Anna did. Now, this poem, "Song of the Last Meeting," is different. It's written at an earlier time in nineteen eleven and it recounts the end of a love affair that she had she was in her early 20s at this point and i think it's such such a profoundly human poem really as 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 you can get because without really giving you too much emotional information it tells you so much about a person's state of mind so i'm just going to read that poem to you now and then i'll discuss it Song of the Last Meeting by Anna Akhmatova My heart was chilled and numb, but my feet were light. I fumbled a glove from my left hand onto my right. It seemed there were many steps, I knew. There were only three. Autumn, whispering in the maples, kept urging, Die with me. I'm cheated by joylessness, changed by a destiny untrue. I answered, my dear, my dear, I too, I'll die with you. The song of the last meeting. I see that dark house again. Only bedroom candles burning. With a yellow indifferent flame. There are so many different versions of this poem around. um, Which are not that good to read. Don't make it an easy poem to read and I think that this is, is a problem when you're buying a translation of a Russian writer that if you get a translation some translations try to be too literal to the words that are written and rather than convey the idea of the sentence they try to write word almost word for word direct translation and, and it can be very stilted and difficult to read um, so there's lots of versions of this poem around and some are are really good to read. Um, the one that I picked, I find is very good because it has a nice flow to it. Its rhyming um, kind of arrangement is is good and easy to read, and it also conveys, I think, the emotion of what this poem is about. And and so I'm going to explain to you uh, by doing a close a little bit of a close reading as to why I think this poem is so good. And I want you to think about this. When Anna Akhmatova wrote this poem, she was only twenty-two, I think it was. I just double check that. She was twenty two. She wrote it in nineteen eleven. And it's the story of the end of a love affair. Now some people think that it's her on the way to the me- to the to the last meeting or it's just after happening. But I'm I'm not sure myself. I mean like she could be just walking there, who knows? She doesn't really give you that information. The information is the inner turmoil within her, um, Which is very common, I think, to a lot of modernist writers. Heavily influenced by the works of Sigmund Freud and psychoanalysis. So instead of just getting a blow-by-blow account of what's happening as a narrative, we get what she's thinking instead. So the poem begins by telling us, what her emotional state is. My heart was chilled and numb. But my feet were light. So does confusion. On one hand she's walking. Whether she's walking to or from it. Who knows. I imagine myself that she's after having the last meeting. And she's walking away. From the lover. The relationship has ended. And she is she's walking away and she so she says my heart was chilled and numb but my feet were light so there's this sense of confusion inside she she can't she can't quite comprehend it's her heart is chilled she's numb she doesn't know but she's she's stepping she's walking and we we get a, a glimpse even more of this sense you know of what's happening of this confusion because she then tells us that she is struggling to put her gloves on because as she's putting her glove on, she's, you know, I fumbled the glove from my left hand onto my right. So she's putting her glove on and then it's a realisation, no, that's not the hand that you put that one on. A- again, a- indicative of the emotional turmoil at either the fact that she's on her way to a, um, a, a meeting that would be the last one or from a meeting. And We don't get... That information as to which which one it is so you can summarize either way i i still think that she's walking away that she's leaving she's just had that last meeting and she's walking away and and I'll, i'll explain that at in in a moment as to why i think that then we we continue on with this idea of confusion because she's like it seemed there were many steps i knew there were only three so She's walking, and and for a moment she can't. She she, it feels like she's walked many steps, but she's only walked three. Again, she's you know reality is not really meeting to what she she knows, and she's unsure of herself. She's unsure of what's happening. She can't process even the most simplest things that's happening around her. And and we get this sudden interjection of the season. Autumn whispering in the maples kept urging, Die with me. So, does this again, does this sense of autumn now, whether this um, event actually happened in autumn, or whether she's using the sim- symbolism of autumn to express the coming to an end of a thing? Because autumn always follows after summer, and it's the work of summer coming to pieces. There's debt and decay in autumn. The the good, happy, bright days are coming to an end and it gets darker, gets colder, the leaves fall off trees, um everything becomes wet and messy and in an emotional sense or in, in, in a kind of symbolic sense, that's what's happening with this relationship. The the bright, happy days of summer which was her late when she was in this uh, loving relationship have come to an end, they're falling apart it's starting to die and, and things are getting darker and the fact that the trees are saying to her, die with me we we go on to the next stanza and, and we she gives a response to these trees, to this idea of death and it's kind of like an acceptance. Uh, it starts off where she says. I'm cheated by joylessness. So. The, the, the misery. And the sadness. Has robbed her. Of the happiness that she had been feeling. During her relationship. During the summer time as it were. When, when life was bright. And carefree and happy. Suddenly she's cheated. She feels robbed. And it's the joylessness that she's feeling now. Is, is robbing her. But why does what is this joylessness? What causes it? Well, she says, changed by a destiny untrue. So the relationship, the destiny of that relationship, the the lifelong connection with this man, the relationship, the love, the possible marriage, the children—all of that destiny that lay out ahead of her, that she thought would probably happen or could happen—suddenly, that that promised destiny. That you, you have as you start to develop and become closer to a person suddenly that just gets ripped apart so that destiny that she had built up in her head of life with this man it was a lie it was untrue and that's changed everything so whereas beforehand she was happy suddenly her, she's cheated she feels cheated and she feels robbed of happiness and it's because of this untrue destiny the lie that he had told her as she feels the promise of life with this man that has now ended in the dying Mm -hmm. autumn of of her emotional state now it's ended with her where the trees are saying to her die with me and she's saying i too i'll die with you so she's saying yeah i'm you know i'm going to lose my leaves as were, i'm going to fall apart i'm going to become just this." this empty um kind of husk or this bare empty trunk i'm going to be just like that i'm going to die all the joy and happiness and i'm just going to be left with just the bare shape of me and and it gives you that idea this whole just absolute anguish this this despair that she feels because her love is not going to endure it's come to an end so she, she says, yeah, I'm I'm accepting the inevitability. I'm going to be just like these trees. I'm going to have nothing there, you know. My emotions are just going to fall to pieces. They're like the leaves, falling to pieces, falling off. That's what's happening to me. And And so we then come to the last stanza, where she says about the song of the last meeting. I see that dark house again. Only bedroom candles burning with a yellow and different flame and and I think for this is why I think that she's walking away from that last meeting because she's alone she's standing on the dark street and she sees the dark house and there's candles burning in the bedroom and and this whole like for me this is you know this idea of of suddenly coming to your senses, that you're you're there, you're on your own. The street's getting dark. You're feeling absolutely miserable and wretched and numb, and you don't know what's happening. And you realise that there's people around you in 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 the dark house. There's there's a house there, and you see the lights. There's people inside, and they're either in bed together, um, husband and wife or children getting tucked into bed. Or people sitting in in a room together, happy and there's life going on around her, and she's not part of that, and they're not aware of her, they're indifferent to her, and they're carrying on with their lives, and she's standing there on the street on her own, and she's miserable and 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 so that's why I think that she's walking away from from the meeting, not walking towards it as as some people might think it means. I mean, I could be wrong. You can always let me know if you disagree. But I just, I feel, and, and we don't get, she doesn't really tell us how she feels at that moment about being alone. We know that she's in despair and she's wretched and miserable and she's surrendering to the inevitable kind of decay of of the relationship and, and the impact that's going to have on her because as she says to the trees, I'll die with you so she's acknowledging the fact that she's going to join those trees in in shedding um her, something of herself because of this but i I think it's quite telling we get the idea again that we're back to the numbness she doesn't tell us how she feels as she's looking at these houses how this indifference and how this life going on makes her feel but then why should she because as she starts off the poem her heart was chilled and numb so she's numb with this pain and this anguish and that's where what we're left with we're left with the numbness the, the numbness of watching the fact that life is going on around her and it's happening and she is not part of it and I think for me that's what I love about this poem just this sense That for a moment we get to feel her pain and her anguish, and it's the pain and anguish that hopefully you have never felt at the end of a relationship when somebody who you've invested on emotion and time and love and they suddenly tell you go from telling you that they love you to telling you that they don't want to be near you anymore, that they've had their fill of you. It's a horrible feeling, and I think this poem really captures the sense, the impact that that has on the person who suddenly is left with a destiny that was untrue. And that's why I am recommending you read this poem. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget to rate the podcast and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the links in the show notes for more information about The Poet and to read the poem we looked at this week. And also check out the link to learn more about my poetry. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, stay safe.